Welcome to Cycling Life. I'm Andy Ivey with the Bigfoot Cycle Club podcast. This time I'm talking to club member and man on a mission, Russell Kesley. He has an extraordinary story to tell of surviving a potentially fatal tumour. The ward I was in, you know, half the people who came in didn't come out, so, you know, I'm, I'm a very lucky chap. Really. He's also passionate about tackling the litter that blights the countryside around the world. In early May, I collected a picker, some bags and a yellow vest, and along with Rob Hargreaves, joined Russell on Jackass Lane, the road that leads up to Keston Church and a popular route for cyclists. Sunday morning, we're on Jackass Lane and we're doing a litter pick. Russell just going to the uh, undergrowth to find some more. Something. You don't have to go too far into the undergrowth, unfortunately. What inspired you to start a litter pick, Russell? Well, we go out on the roads in this beautiful countryside and the roads are absolutely riven with litter. And it's our countryside and it's what we bequeath to our children. Um, and if we don't do something about it, then, then who is? And it's just, you know, we cycle out on these roads. We want to enjoy them. And if we want to continue to enjoy them, and you know, it's just something we, we need to do. We, we were here a month ago and I think there was five of us and we picked up nearly 100 kilograms of litter. 15 bags, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's um, if we don't do something, who is? And... This is another cyclist goes past, a very popular cycling lane. I mean, we're starting off with a couple of clubs, Paragon and uh, obviously Bigfoot. Um, but if we can get more cyclists against litter and helping us, because everyone, everyone sees it, uh, everyone goes, rides through it. And if we look more carefully at the undergrowth, we see, we see things which, you know, we, they shouldn't be there. This is our countryside. This is what, you know, goes into our, into our food, into the water systems. Uh, into the farms and you know it's not just this area it's all over the country so you know where do you start you've cycled a lot abroad and we'll talk about that a bit later on is it the same i would like to say this is a british disease but it's not it's a, it's a it's a disease of humanity um, and going through france italy it's just the same and it's it's heartbreaking you're going through pristine Tuscan countryside and you see plastic bottles, crisp packets and all sorts and it's depressing. So, you know, we can either sit and moan about it or we do something about it. Okay, well let's walk on and do a bit more. Morning. Hi. Great job there. So this year you've, do, you've just got back from doing the 312 in Mallorca, that's 312 kilometres around Mallorca. It's a, a well-known sportive. You've ridden from London to Edinburgh, or was it Edinburgh to London? Um, I've done Edinburgh to London. That was in two days. Um, that was with Mark Beaumont, for, and that was for Doddy Weir's charity. And I think we raised nearly £70,000 wow. for, for charity. We've had a, the page is about to close. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did London to Rome. Um, that was for my friend's wife, ex-wife who died, or wife who died of cancer. Um, and that was, we did that in seven days, and that was for... The chance we've raised about fifteen thousand pounds for that. Wow! And so, you're thinking of doing right across America? That's next year. <laughs> yeah, we've got to return there. What makes you do these things? I mean, obviously for the charitable aspect, but there must I, be something else. I, I had a tumour three years ago, um, and I'd just started cycling. In all fairness, cycling had probably helped the tumour be uncovered, and it also helped me survive the tumour. Um, 
my resting heart rate when I, when I was di- when I was taken into hospital was 160. Resting uh, heart rate. Resting heart rate was 160. When it normally should be around about 60. Yeah, and my resting blood pressure was 250 over 120. So I didn't go bang, I didn't go pop, um, and I because of that I cycle now, and I've my mind with all the stuff and the plastic we see in the environment and the climate. I cycle everywhere now, so rather than drive, um, we've got one car which you hardly use, um, and I, I ride everywhere. So if we're going out to Leicester, see friends, or down to Cornwall to see friends, I'll, I'll pop the bike, pop on the bike and go there and meet my wife there. Mm. <laughs> so cycling really is your, it's saved you and it's your life? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. You want to walk on a bit more? Pretty much. So what, tell me, tell me a little bit about the tumour. What, what was it? it um, um, affected your adrenal gland? Is that right? Yeah, it's a, it's a pheochromocytoma, so it's a very rare, rare tumour. Um, it affects one, one in between one in one million, one in three million. Um, and of course, you don't know you've got it. No, you only know it has because you're running on adrenaline. You are literally running around like a mad ass. Uh, so it increased your adrenaline. Yes, it, it pumps out adrenaline. That's the danger. So you're it. it, it it can, it's, it's all part of your autonomic control um, and it, it increases your adrenaline in your body which increases your blood pressure, increases your heart rate so you know most people who have pheochromocytomas they end up having heart attacks or strokes so they never really get diagnosed um, and I think only 20% of those people who are diagnosed survive so I'm very lucky Because you, you did sport, you played rugby Yes so yeah. that obviously gave you a, a, your body was able to withstand that. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm a fairly stubborn character as well, so I can't, <laughs> can't, can't just keep on going. I mean, are you ever fully recovered, or is there um, some care that you need to take? It doesn't sound like you, you're too bothered about that. I, I have to, I have to put back to the hospital every once every two years, or once every year, and I have to be scanned every every two years. Um, um, and I've had just had my CT scan. I've got a ten percent chance that it can re- reoccur in the other other adrenal gland, in which case I'll be on, on medication. Um, but I've been quite lucky. So you know, there's people who are far worse off than us. The ward I was in, you know, half the people who came in didn't come out. So you know, I'm, I'm a very lucky chap, really. So once you'd recovered from. Or sufficiently recovered. Yeah. What was your first cycling challenge? Cycling to work. Literally just getting on a bike. And um, uh, the hardest thing was literally getting on a bike and starting riding again. So from going from riding, uh, doing the Tour de France challenge on Strava, which was probably what got me into cycling in the first place. The hardest thing was just cycling up to town from uh, four or five miles into Wimbledon. Um, and when you're knackered at the end of that and your body doesn't want to do anything more you know it's just you just got to keep on going and then how did it develop from there um just started longer and longer and i, and I thought it'd be a good idea to sign up for uh, london to gibraltar clock to rock okay which is uh, a bike ride from houses of westminster down to the rock of gibraltar and that was organized by pete winterbottom and the uh, other rugby lines rugby legends so he rode with uh Wince, Utley, uh, Roger Baird, Craig Chalmers, uh, Steve Bainbridge and a whole host of others, Roger Arneal. Um, we had a, a beery lad <laughs> ride down to Gibraltar, which was great fun. Well supported. 
Yeah, it was well supporting. We had we had a lot of people down there. We had a lot of fun on the way down there. Uh, there was a lot of beer drunk on the way down. Um, and, you know, we, we're doing 100 miles a day, but, you know, we're having a lot of fun. So that gave you the taste for it? Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much. And after that, I thought, well, I quite enjoyed this. I can go further. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. So you do. And what was the next one after that? I think Revolve 24 was was in the mind. I wanted to have a go to see what I could do in 24 hours. So that's where you get to Brands Hatch and you ride for 24 hours. Now, most people do this in teams. Yes. And certain individuals do it on their own. Yes. And you were one of the ones that did it on your own. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you stop at all during the 24 hours? Well, I, I'd, I'd planned it, and I thought I'd, I, I had in my mind the idea of qualifying for RAM, and I thought, well, I'm not going to qualify for RAM, but this is what I've got to do to qualify for RAM. So I knew how fast I had to go, I knew what targets I had to meet to do that. Um, and I did it, went, I just went and did it, and I, I, was, I think I surprised myself when I qualified. Um, and I was like, oh, I've done this. So once you've qualified, you don't think, well, I've qualified, now I've got to have a go. <laughs> and that was it, really. So this is right across America in 2017? Yes. In, sorry, I qualified in 2017 and rode in 2018. And again, was that something that you have to organise your own support or is there any logistics yeah. available? No, you, you have to organise your own support. So you've got a budget for an RV, a direct follow car, um, and about eight, nine people coming with you. And it's as hard on the crew as it is on the, on the rider. And it starts what, on the west coast and goes to the east coast? Yeah, it starts in Oceanside, uh, San Diego, uh, and goes to Annapolis in Maryland. And is there any kind of organisation at all, or is it just a, you oh, set off and no, it's a massive know, checkpoints? Or, no, it's a massive organisation. It's, it's very well administered. Uh, Fred and Rick Bertling uh, organise it all, um, and it's an international event. It's, not, it's very niche, um, but, you know, there's lots of teams doing it. There's also something called the Race Across the Rest, which takes place at the same time. And they do the first three days, uh, pretty much. Um, but, it's, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's, it's, you have to meet lots of criteria down there. There's lots of rules you have to abide by. So it's, it's a very well-administered event. Now, what would be a target time for doing it? <laughs> you have to do it within 12 days. <coughs> um, if not, you get a DNF. So that's 12 days or 250 miles a day. Um, and... You have to do that, otherwise you get the DNF. But that's okay. But you don't legislate for the fact you've got to ride through 45 degrees heat one day and over 3,000 meter mountains the next day. Um, and that's a massive ask. And you think about that, and you, you then you start thinking about how much sleep you can have and how fast you can go when it's 45 degrees. Um, so you can't go very fast, and you can't sleep very much, <laughs> basically. So, at what point did you think, hang on, this is getting a bit tough? Um, when I started it, uh, <laughs> and you're, you're straight into the desert, um, I, the worst part is when it was 45 degrees and you could only spend 30 minutes on the bike and then you're back in the car for five minutes and I thought, this is tough. But we got through that. Um, I was behind uh, the schedule going into, before we got, before we got into Tuba City and I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, but I thought, no, we're going to have to give it a go. We got on a bike and basically time trialed for 24 hours, um, doing four-hour stints. And we time trialed into Durango, and I'd gone from being outside of DNF um, to being well inside the time. Um, and we were, I think we were about 13th, 14th in the field, um, which for a rookie was, wasn't too bad. So we were doing, we were doing all right. Um, and it was going, going really well. Um, but it's like all these things, you, you have to prepare for it. And I was a bit like, 
Edmund Hillary or, or Mallory going up uh, uh, Everest in hobnail boots and trees. <laughs> so my, my, my race plan was pretty much on the back of a fag packet. Um, and we, we had a go at it and we kind of rolled our sleeves up. But if you don't prepare for it and you don't get the people around you to prepare for it, then you're going to struggle. Um, and I struggled because we, I, I pushed myself too hard on, on one section um, and the people who were there weren't prepared for that and they weren't prepared for the uh, outcome for that. And we had, we, we, I was pulled out um, on the fourth or fifth day, fourth day, I think it might have been the fifth day, I'm not quite sure, but I was just under halfway through. Um, and I'd been averaging 20 miles an hour, over 120 miles, so I was a bit disappointed at that time. Mm. It must be quite a blow to, but I suppose at the point where you realise uh, you've got you've got to just admit. <laughs> yeah, well, look, you say that. I'll come and back I, and have another go. I, I, I didn't. I was. I, I kind of took it in my stride at the time, but I was very angry afterwards because um, they, I wasn't given some time to recover, um, and the race rules legislate for that. Um, and I, I just think we. It, I, it was my is my fault for not asking or not agreeing with the team what they should do in certain circumstances, and I didn't have anyone from the team who knew me, so they didn't see me and think um, we can manage this. This is how we're going to manage it, and they just panicked. Um, and as a result, they phoned my wife. My wife panicked and said, "Well, pull him out." And I'm like, "Well, actually, I'm okay." <laughs> so um, we're going to go back. We are going to go back. <laughs> Let's do a bit more litter picking, we're getting a bit behind. Yes. Hi. Hiya. So we've done about an hour and a half of litter picking so far. We've each got two bags pretty full. But there's been quite a positive reaction from people that have been running past, cycling past. Yeah, uh, uh, the locals are very, very receptive, very, very thankful. And most of the cyclists are actually quite thankful. But, you know, we are other cyclists and, you know, it'd be nice if other people came out and helped. You had your head stuck in a bush for quite a while down there. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, when you start looking underneath, you, you start to see things which are you wouldn't normally otherwise see. So we only see the tip of the iceberg. And this is just a small lane in an atypical kind of suburb leading out into the countryside in London. And all the roads are like this. It's 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 the, it's heartbreaking. This is our countryside. What's the reaction of the council when you approach them? Um, generally quite positive. Bromley, in all fairness, weren't very helpful. Big and Hill councillors were really really helpful, uh, and very very much behind us. Um, but a lot of it is kind of health and safety, which I I understand. But you know, if it's health and safety that's stopping us from doing anything groups of cyclists coming past then health and safety at some point you have to make take a stand and say well actually if no one does anything then nobody does anything because of health and safety and this is this is health because it's our health and it's our safety in the future councils haven't got any funding uh, funding's getting less um, so we need either to have punitive action against people who drop litter or we need to start taking little steps to start doing positive things to reduce it. Coming back to cycling, we, we spoke about last year's adventures. This year, as you mentioned, you've done Edinburgh to London 
uh, Edinburgh to London uh, two, in two days, uh, 500 miles in two days, and London to Rome, which uh, was... Tell me about London to Rome, that was in early part of the year, so it must have been a bit chilly. Yeah, it's an end of March, beginning of April. Um, it was 1,400 miles from London to Rome. We aimed to do it in seven days, we did. That was just you on your own. Just, just me and Wayne. <laughs> when you say we, it's not you. Un, you get un, on your bike. Unsupported. Um, we left Deptford at 4.30 on a Friday afternoon and arrived in Rome at 4 o'clock the following Friday. So you're doing how much each day? Um, the first three days was 250 miles a day, roughly. And when we got to Italy, it became a bit hillier, so we, we eased it back a bit and we did 140, 130, 140 a day. But it was very hilly. <laughs> it rained a lot. What did you carry on your bike? Um, a saddlebag and a handlebar bag. Um, Try to carry as little as possible. Um, spares to charge the lights. Uh, um, enough to get you going from A to B without having a major mishap. But doing it on your own, how much of a mental challenge is it? As much as a physical challenge? <sighs> it's a good question. It's... It's difficult. It's one of those things. If you think, oh, I'm going to cycle from London to Rome, where do you start? And you start by, you know, you, I, I planned my route and I looked at the place I was going to stay at. And I think, well, I've got to get from A to B. How am I going to do that? And you break it down into chunks. Um, and you say, you, you, I think the phrase is you chew it off a little bit at a time. So I knew where I wanted to go on the first day. I wanted to get down to Brienne, which is just south of Reims, um, which is a good 270 miles from Calais. And to do that, I've got to cycle for four lots of four hours. Um, and, you know, you, you, you do it. You, you, you go down, you make sure you eat it. Well, I say eat it, because you are eating. Um, I was burning between ten and 15,000 calories a day, depending on the terrain. So you've got to get that in. So I, I, I went to see a lot of French patisseries. <laughs> it's very nice. Trouble is funny, one that open in some of the countryside, where they, uh, the place I was staying, they uh, open for about two hours a day. What? On the other, on the flip side, they open very early in the morning, so you can also fill your boots. And I, I, I would have a, a little bento box on my, um, on my handlebars, and I'd fill it up, and I'd, I'd eat it. I'd have a baguette or something, and every half hour I'd eat something as I as I went down. Even if I wasn't hungry, that you've got to eat. Yeah. Um, best favorite, my favorite was a chicken uh, McDonald's, chicken McNuggets. You got a. <laughs> Uh, a serving of nine McNuggets, stick them in your bento box, and every half an hour you'd have one of those. Yeah, top cycling tips here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, McDonald's. I think it's the only time I've been to McDonald's in the last couple of years, so uh, that, 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 was, that was quite good. Oops, it's reaching for another. And I oh, think that, that's the thing coming back to this thing. You, you, sorry, you look at all these places and you look at all the, the bushes. And it's only when you start delving a little bit deeper you start realising the extent of the problem. And it's just the same in France and Italy. Yeah. It's not a British disease. It's a human human plague, unfortunately. So having done all that so far this year, that we're only at the beginning of May. There's quite a lot of 2019 left. What are you going to do cycling-wise? Well... I had aimed to do a nice, a reasonable time in um, Mallorca 312. I, I got a sub 12, 11.35, which was okay. Well, I wanted to go faster. Um, I've got some 24-hour time trials planned for later this year. Um, Paris, Brest, Paris, um, 1,000K. I'd like to think I could do a good finish, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm realistic. 
Uh, and there's some guys like Roy McCarran, Chris Herbert, um, who are very, very quick and I won't get anywhere near them. Um, but I'd like to think I could finish in the top 100, maybe top 250 of a four or 5,000 field. So there's that as a goal. And the T, 24-hour time trials. Um, I'd like to see what I can do with it. I haven't really given it a, a shot where I've trained for it and given it my best shot. So I am going to give it my best shot for Revolve 24 this year and hopefully the Mersey 24 time trials and hopefully Brugge Springs in, uh, in the US in November. Um, where I won't win it, but I'd like to see how far I can get myself. So that'd be a, that's a bit of a challenge. And that's going to lead on to Ram next year, hopefully. Wow. Well, wish you all the very best of luck with all of those challenges. Russell Kessley, thanks very much. Thank you. Um, oh, thank you.